Coming up on the show today, The World's Wife by Carol Ann Duffy. Mary Queen of Scots, movie and book. A little uh, sojourn into the Melbourne Writers Festival. And a quick spin down to Geelong. The Cadell Evans Road Race. Welcome to the Clappers. This is the successful Andrew Young. And I'm the middlingly, just troubling along Carl Quinn. Just doing the best you can. I'm doing the best I can, Andrew. I really am. I really am. Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself off. (laughs) So, out of 36 questions, how many do you think the three of us got right last night? Uh, What's the context? In, in, our, in our great trivia night that we always oh, go and win against right, teams right, right. of thousands. Out of 36. Yeah. 37? 34. Really? I'm going to ask you the two we got wrong. You ready? <laughs> Which Beatle was asked to be Jesus Christ in the Jesus Christ Superstar? Uh, that'd have to be George Harrison, surely. I said that? Wrong. It was John. John, really? It was John. What a controversial bit of uh, casting that would have I been. I know. Well, he's very charismatic too. He, well, you know, having, having to... said we're more famous now than, yeah, well, than Jesus. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, like, what, what a thing to do. That would well, be got yeah. that wrong. Uh, and yeah. the other one we got wrong, the three of us against yeah. teams of dozens, the three of us got this question wrong. Yeah. Which illness mm. was believed in the days of yore to be influenced by the stars? Which Illness in the days of yore was believed to be influenced by the stars. I'd say melancholia was probably influenced by the like moon. It. Like it, yeah. yeah. I, I went along those lines. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, I'm going to say um, some sort of digestive illness, maybe? Something that we all have from yeah. time to time. Well, people claim to have it. Very few actually have Depression. it. Depression. Influenza. Influenza. <laughs> influenced <laughs> by the stars. <laughs> so, and not only that, I also got the, the answer so right. So, is that the, where the name comes yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. Influenza yeah, yeah. from influenza, really? And the synthesizer challenge, I got both of them. Oh, so, really? Yeah, Moog. Uh, so, so he just gets well-known songs and does them on a synthesizer. And oh, one, right. one was "Golden Years" by David Bowie. Right. One was "Sexual Healing" by Marvin Gaye. Right. Two jugs of beer, bam, just like that. And the fifty-dollar <laughs> certificate, bam, just like that. And a tray of merchandise from a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not going to use because I'm stubby sure. holders. Yeah, yeah, yeah but tray, Maybe, you know what? T-shirt, you know what? I think we should, I think we we should give it away. This, uh, give it away. <laughs> give it away on our on give our Facebook away. page. Except I think that there's a member of my household who has uh, a very keen eye on the key ring bottle opener. So. That'd be your young daughter. It would be. It would be. Yep. <laughs> How old is she? Seven. Right. So yeah. she's when's she going to Do, get to use? Doesn't this, drink much out of uh, no, bottles or no, stubbies. Mostly no, cans. Mostly cans. Mostly cans. <laughs> she loves to crush them. You know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if you were a dog, what would you be? Ooh, uh, I could say like, what sleep. would you what would you want to be? Like, if you could choose, not like, what dog do you look like? Because I could t- tell you that now. Uh, yeah, behave. But um, what dog would you think? Oh, that would be me. I'd be that dog. Oh, look, I've got a I've got an Aussie Shepherd, and I've got to say, mm-hmm. I. Pretty ace kind of dog. Is that like a cattle dog, the one that rounds yeah, them up and nips them at the feet, yeah, that but, type? but not really a working dog, I think. No, well, okay. maybe they were working dogs in America, which is where, where the breed oh, yeah, comes from. Right, okay. But um, just a beautiful personality, temperament, mm-hmm. um, a lot of fun. I don't know how, how you can judge whether a dog is actually smart or not. No, you know? no. People say, oh, my wife says, she's such a smart dog. It's like, mm, In what way? Eh, I asked her to do my tax return. She wasn't much <laughs> used with that. So, so uh, you you're, go, you go Shepherd, with go with not? dog. Okay, sure. I'd be well, happy I, I mean, I, look, I have no dogs, so all I know about dogs is really nothing. But right. I would be a Saluki. <laughs> What's a Saluki? Well, a Saluki makes an 
Af- you know what an Afghan hound yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Saluki makes an Afghan hound look like a an alcoholic panhandling outside the footy, you know? But that's what a, an Afghan hound looks like anyway. <laughs> Saluki is a grand and beautiful beast who is fit for lounging about on divans yeah. and smoking cigarettes. Can I just say, holders. Courtney, our producer, yes. has just shown me an image of a Saluki. Yeah. It's got a lot more hair than you. Oh, look, that's what I mean. It's like <laughs> the wish fulfillment. If, if one has to be a dog, I'm but not saying ear, I want to be a dog. similar size. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, a beautiful, louche creature right. who is idle and adored. Uh, so, yeah, I was just thinking that when uh, I was washing my hands. Louche, thought, idle, adored. They sound yeah. pretty good attributes in That's any so, creature. So, sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be adored. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about? Okay, so... I've read a few books over the summer. I did the same. Yes. I'm just going to mention – I'm going to mention one now and, and a few down the road. It's called The World's Wife by Carol Ann Duffy. She's a poet. Mm. And first off, everybody should read this book because it's wonderful and hilarious. Where will you find it? Oh, in a bookshop that's, that has well, a fairly, a fairly no, well no, – no, okay, this is a, fairly, a real okay, question no, no, because – You make a good point. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't check – First, yeah. I could tell you if you wanted to. But you bought a copy. Yes, if yeah. you want this book immediately, mm. or you want it as close to immediately as possible, and you don't feel like knocking on doors of all of it. And there are some good bookshops. You know, there are. There's one in Richmond. There's one in Alstonwick. There's one in Collins Street. You know, they are they are about. There's one in Carlton. You know, I don't want to say the names of them, but people can find. Do you want to keep going around the country? Yes. <laughs> We're done now. There's one in, in Newtown. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you could go to the, the bookdepository.com. Yeah. You could get it for probably half the price you'd pay for it in a shop. I'm not, saying you, I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you should. Anyway, it's firstly you've got to skip the introduction as you should always do when you when you read a book right. because the, the person introducing it will presume that you've already read the book, which is bizarre because you've just opened it to the first page and start telling you everything all about it. It's by Jeanette Winterson. Skip it. Read it at the end if you must. As always, these are books. Uh, these are poems about the wives of the great men of of uh, ancient times of myth, uh, like Herod. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the the wife of Herod, who who I don't know who really existed, but is imagining what it is like to be the wife of Herod, mm. or the wife of Odysseus, Penelope, or the wife of Aesop, right? And th- some of them are funny. So the the uh, Demeter is some of them are very poignant. Very poignant and, and moving, and the wife of King Kong, of course, Mrs. King Kong. Mrs. Well, Kong. Well, in, in the sense that she's not really King Kong's she wife. Queen she's, Kong. She's Sorry. she's Queen Kong. And the the I don't know the name of the the character that King Kong the the lady character that King Kong falls in love with. Well, there's the male version. Okay, and so Darrow is, yep, is and Darrow. So there's a, a male version. So a lot of the the, the Sam Sam the, Darrow. The poetry or the, the poems are about the imagining of a person who is Mrs. Herod is Herod, but, right? But the so female basically version. the same character but cast yeah. as a female. Yeah, and and uh, Carol Ann uh, Duffy makes a point. Uh, that it's not just about it's it's wanting to show unpleasant aspects yeah. as well as great aspects as well as just having an imagination to to yeah. think these great powerful heroes of of myth and fantasy if they were women how would they be yeah. and i've just got two very short very short poems to read to you and the listener mrs icarus i'm not the first or the last to stand on a hillock Watching the man she married prove to the world he's a total, utter, absolute grade A pillock. Mrs. Icarus and Mrs. Darwin. 7th of April, 1852, went to the zoo. I said to him, 
something about that chimpanzee over there reminds me of you. <laughs> so nice. they're good, aren't they? They're funny, but they, they are also they really poignant. They almost be written on the back of a toilet door at university. Look, you, you could know? read this whole book on a single tram ride, right? okay? But you'll read it again and it'll take you a little bit longer because uh, the, the poems are very moving. the tram's going to be delayed. And it's a great – It's look, it's, it's great to have – an idea like that to think that we've you know we're inundated with with myths about um, you know, from the Bible from Shakespeare from you know all yeah. over and they're always the heroes are almost always men mm. aren't they and, and the villains are often you know witches and evil stepmothers and bad queens and to have a book uh, from a, a, a feminist point of view which is completely fine I think is is great yeah. so yeah that's the world's wife by Caroline Duffy and I heartily recommend it. it's by Picador. Speaking of powerful women in history. Real life women. Real life yeah. women. So at the cinema right now, yeah. Mary Queen of Scots, mm-hmm. it's not getting great reviews. Okay. Uh, it's getting yeah, not terrible reviews, kind of lukewarm. I think it's better than those reviews would suggest, although it is a little bit kind, a bit plodding. It kind of all operates at the one tone, the yeah. one level. But I found it really – I found that the, there were a lot of things – in it that I found really interesting. For instance, uh, Mary's um, ladies in waiting. Mm-hmm. One of them is played by Gemma Chan, who's a uh, an, a Chinese English actress. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting bit of casting." Is that because you know that sort of Tudor society was more ethnically diverse than we have been led to believe, mm. or is it because they're going for colorblind casting? Right. And uh, another of her ladies-in-waiting was, uh, you know, brown-skinned. Her secretary, David Rizzio, mm-hmm. who um, came from came from Italy, is is also brown-skinned mm-hmm. and bisexual. Well, not bisexual, homosexual. In mm-hmm. fact, mm-hmm. Uh, her her first husband, um, Darnley, uh, is bisexual. Or at the very least, yep. bisexual, yeah. and so I was like, I was intrigued by all of this stuff that's going on. I thought it was really this, a woke. Well, kind of that was the thing. I was kind of like, is this a woke film? Is yeah. it, is it a is it a film that which is saying we're going to shatter all of those sort of uh, you know constraints that normally operate mm-hmm. around costume dramas and and historical epics, and we're going to say, yeah, let's imagine them differently. It, I'm going to so, say so I went, that I went time, and found the book. That time there was since the Roman times there've been Africans in England. Yeah, but we're talking about in the upper echelons of society, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there were I don't know if there were Africans in Roman times. There were certainly Africans. There were certainly Africans there in the 15th, 16th century, no question. But um, and quite possibly earlier. I don't know how far back, but uh, they were not in the inner. Uh, upper echelons of of the court. That was, I think, a stretch. I mean, as far as I can tell, uh, and I did a little bit of reading around this, there were certainly servants and there were people, you know, who were, you know, running, maybe not running, working in taverns and, you know, brothels and whatever in London at the time. But I don't see any evidence that there were people in, in the courts. However, it made me go and hunt out the book um, on which the movie is based, which was originally published as My Heart Is My Own by a guy called John Guy in 2004 and has been reissued as Mary Queen of Scots with a picture of Saoirse Ronan and, and uh, Margot Robbie on the cover. Margot Robbie plays Queen Elizabeth I and Saoirse plays Mary. Um, and 
God, it's a fascinating read. And I have zero interest in royal history, in, mm-hmm. in English royal history or any royal history for that matter. Uh, but it it was just skullduggery and scheming and politics and all the rest of it. So the ethnic diversity depicted in the film, it's a concoction or mm-hmm. it's just it, – that is about – uh, Based on the, the Josie book Rourke, you're who directed who directed the film, it comes from a theatre background where colourblind casting is actually quite commonplace mm-hmm. in the UK. So she's brought that to the film. David Rizzio's uh, homosexuality, absolutely true. That's uh, that comes that comes from the. Can historical I just check? Record. Is this book a novel? No, no, no. Okay. It's a historical biography. It's right. it's written almost like a thriller, mm-hmm. right? But it's. Um, but it's very, you know, it's a properly researched piece of historical, you know, um, narrative, and and it's not full of footnotes. It's not that kind of mm. dense academic kind of uh, writing. But it is a, I think it's pretty reliable, pretty pretty well sourced. It won the Whitbread um, Prize for bi- biography yacht back racing. in two thousand and five for yacht racing yeah. Australia. <laughs> well, it's quite racy, <laughs> um, but it, it was the, the film. Is written by the screenplay is written by Bo Willimon, who create, wrote House of Cards, and it makes total sense because the, it really is about the the sort of the manoeuvring that goes on in the halls of power that are that are where the sort of back scene the the back room sort of plays, which is where the real power lies. Mm-hmm. So you've got these two queens, and you get some of this in the film, but you get. Way more of it in the book. Well, yeah. you get you get more detail in the book. What I would guess. you say is more the enjoyable to you? The two queens appear to be in charge, yeah. but they're not. they're not. What was more enjoyable for you, the book or the film? Um, I enjoyed the film with reservations, mm-hmm. uh, and I saw it around the same time as I saw The Favourite, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like it, it's impossible not to yeah, make the course. comparison between yeah, those two course. films because one is Both about queens. One is well, yeah, but also kind of a. a a fairly fresh look at a, a bit of history that is, to me, was not that familiar. But um, both costume dramas, both historical epics, but one of them is just like saying everything you've you've ever seen about the historical, you know, fiction on film. Forget it. We're mm. we're going in a totally different direction, and that's the favourite. Yeah, Whereas Mary yeah. Queen of Scots is kind of revisionist, I guess, but it still operates absolutely within the paradigm of what you expect of a, a costume drama. Um, based on based on a true story, um, so I enjoyed it. But then, when I read the book, and it was just really, I thought, oh, there might be a story in this about the ethnicity and all the rest of it. That's what drove me to to hunt it out. I was just so gripped by it. I was really surprised at how interesting it was, and it was just like there was so much in there about, well, you know, the the the, the sense of. I mean. If you've if you've delved into this stuff in the past, maybe it's not that new. Maybe there's not that much that's surprising in it. But the degree to which, you know, a, a monarch was not really in charge of their own destiny. It was all about marital alliances mm-hmm. and about you know the trade and political and and uh, I, I guess military sort of um, alliances that could come out of that, uh, economic alliances and so on. You know, and the, the title of the book in its original form, My Heart is My Own, is kind of almost fanciful in a way. I mean, I mean, it was mm. Mary's understanding of herself, but really she could never actually live it. You know, mm-hmm. she could never actually bring that to fruition because there were so many forces bearing upon her. 
It's just fascinating, mm. really, really interesting stuff. And full of little detail, like the kind of meals they had and how, how many carriages full of clothing and, and she had and, and how frequently she was having to move in order to stay safe from the various sort of parties who were trying to usurp her while she was Did they meet in the ruined. film? They do meet in the film. They, didn't, they never they did met in real life. Not met in real life, no. no. That's the first thing that I noticed and I think it's – uh, there's, there's been a lot of films about mm. Mary Queen of yeah, Scots. Yeah. I've seen so many as, a, as a boy. Yeah. I think I, I might at this point, I'm not going to out myself as such, <laughs> but I think I need to say that the next two books that I purchase, yeah. one is going to be called, is called Mum, Darling by Craig Brown and it's he does these list books like he did this 101 great meetings where this person meets this person and then the second person meets another person and that person so it's, it connects all great people of history right. through the 20th century you know so it's Noel basically meets seven Paul degrees McCart- of Kevin Bacon so, in yeah, book yeah. form but this book is about Princess Margaret and the kind of terror that she wrought right. on people it's, it's it makes you cringe it makes you laugh it makes you shake your head I've read a little excerpt mm. from it and the other is a biography of Queen Mary, okay, the grandmother of Queen, our, our current monarch. Yeah. It's, what's interesting about this book is that the man who wrote it also made a lot of notes. These notes did not go into the first book, which had to pass the censors at the palace and had to be a book that honoured the monarch and, and did not do anything to embarrass the, the monarchy. And there, there was a great embarrassment to the monarchy while she was still queen, which was her son abdicated and married a divorcee. Everybody knows about that. This is a book edited by Hugo Vickers of all the notes and observations made right. about about the palace, the monarchy, the, the whole institution. Was he like the Queen's secretary or something? Or? No, no. So James Pope Hennessy had written a couple of other biographies mm. that the granddaughter and then daughter of the two biographies, the two subjects of biographies he wrote, felt that he would be a great person to write this book. Queen Mary was considered somebody austere and grand who never smiled, who never enjoyed life and was a model of rectitude. And he actually didn't want to write this book at all. Um, and Why? Because he thought, what a boring subject. Yeah, like, can please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, plus... Can I write pl- about the corgis Plus instead? I've got my arms tied behind my back writing a royal biography, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. But his brother convinced him and said, the royals, they're dying out, man. This is like your last chance to, you know, this is, they're, they're a dying breed. It's over. It's over. It's 1955. You know, royalty's finished. And so his brother convinced him and it... As, as a subject, Queen Mary is not particularly interesting to me, but the royal family has always been interesting to me in the way that they wield soft power now, hard power sometimes, and the, the way they have, especially somebody like um, Margaret or Charles, of feeling sorry for themselves, of feeling like the most downtrodden and unappreciated and nobody understands me, that kind of teenage personality. Yeah, I, yeah. I find that just I'm, I, so compelling that I've got a few books I'm finishing at the moment, but the next two that I purchase will be those two books, right? I think you are out of the closet. You're closet royalist Not not the first James Pope (laughs) Hennessy, which is a very respectful uh, look at the reign of Queen Mary, but the second one full of all the notes and his almost fury 
at having to visit yet another country house and eat more bad food <laughs> and have to <laughs> bathe in cold rattling pipes of of, of a bathroom. It and almost sounds like it's it's a royal biography written by Patrick Melrose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've heard these, these. You've spoken about Patrick. It, it's it's waspish mm. and a little bit catty, and uh, I. I just wanted to quickly mention that, and once I've read them, well, we can talk a bit about them. Hmm. I just remember one more thing. Can Go I, on. It's one more thing, uh, as as Steve Jobs would say. The Melbourne Writers' Festival got a bit of stick last year, I think undeserved, by publishers. And I thought, for once, this is not going to be a Melbourne Publishers' Festival. And I've noticed in the past that it always felt like a publisher's festival with a bookshop lined up, with writers spruiking their brand new books, publishers Mm. on hand to give interviews. The direction of the Melbourne Writers' Festival was criticised by a few, but it was apparently the most successful one and sold the most tickets and so forth, the most people coming through the door. Marie Cardi's responsible for that. She was the one who decided to have various different setups and and seminars on and there was there was like a you could have a, a service for your recently deceased pet read by a I don't know if you call them celebrants whoever conducts people who conduct animal funerals and there was more music involved so more more of a happening kind more of, of a happening more yeah. of a, and I have no problem with that yeah. whatsoever and so so this year this year's which event, is in which has been soft launched last week of August does it look like it's going to be the same kind of time it, it does or have the publishers well, won back that I don't I hopefully contested ground. I hope they haven't. And they, of course, it's, as you say, a soft load. So we don't know any of the people who are going to turn up. Right. I tried to get on the website yesterday and I couldn't. I kept, couldn't, there was some server error. And I tried at various times of the day, either from my phone or from my computer. I couldn't get onto it, which was annoying because I wanted to furnish myself with a bit more information because it's almost a year since the last one. So I think it's a great thing to have somebody take a festival in a new direction, hmm. whether it's Robin Archer, whether it's Leo Schofield, whoever it is, you know, and I think that's what it's about. A festival about writing is not a festival necessarily about publishing and selling books, and I think publishers should just, you know, remember that and close their mouths, frankly. Andrew, I notice you've got a whopping great umbrella in the studio. What the hell is that for? Well, I... I mean, it is about to bucket down with rain. It is. I did bring it in because a storm is forecast and hail and everything. So I went to the Cadell Evans Road Race, right, which is uh, only in its second or third inception. And it's kind of his gift, in a way, to the people of the peninsula. And it's held every year just after the Tour Down Under. So all the professional UCI teams stick around for a bit not all of them most of them and they ride in this one it's a one day race it's not a tour or anything um it does a few laps around geelong and then it comes goes down the great ocean road and comes up and down it's picturesque and it's a hoot it's a lot of fun if you like bicycle racing you may not you may so i went down there on the train which was good except i had to wait half an hour between my train and the train to geelong which you know, kind of rules out any fantasy of commuting one day to a job in Geelong because you just can't have those periods. But the race was fun. It was won by Elia Viviani, who was an Italian sprinter who won a stage in the Tour Down Under. But very cleverly, just before the last lap was to be run, the people who had occupied a whole hotel, the Mapai team, had occupied a whole hotel and festooning with Mapai banners, sent three guys out. Uh, 
into the crowd with a box full of umbrellas, maybe a hundred umbrellas in total. And of course, everybody's hot day, really hot. Everyone's putting them up to shield themselves from the sun. And so the cameras are getting this great, <laughs> great line either side, Branding phalanx the of Mapai umbrellas, which I think they make a kind of cement for tiles and a grouts and I don't know if it's pretty sexy stuff. I don't know if it's something that a lot of people would be aware of here in in, in Melbourne yeah. or in in Geelong, but it was very clever, and I could hear all the def- people, oh, the people who were standing there, who would up until then Can't had a really a good thing. view of the oh, yeah. of the sprint, and so I, I grabbed one. I didn't put it up because I'm sensitive to the people's needs to see the actual race that they've been standing around for hours to watch. A couple of things. It's unfortunate that they have the they have the screen so that. It, you, when the race isn't in front of you, you can watch a big screen. Unfortunately, they didn't have the commentary. Right. They had some people at the side of the stage vaguely commenting around the race. It would have been great. And then I realised, not too late, but I wish I'd realised earlier, that I could just go into the hotel that Mapai had occupied and plonk myself down in front of the big screens and, and sit there and get some commentary. Because your umbrella gave you access? No, just because <laughs> I'm one of those people who walks into a hotel and looks like he immediately <laughs> belongs there and will not be shifted. Um, yes. So when I had this umbrella, a woman asked me uh, where I got it from and I said, look, these men giving him out. And she's like, she'd been waiting all day. Woman <laughs> behind the counter at one of the stalls, you know, runs out and I'm, I'm on my way to get the train, which was, I won't tell you about that. I'm on my way to get the train. She approaches me again five minutes later. Excuse me, where, where did you get that umbrella? I thought, man, we all look alike, don't we? You know, I didn't say it, but I'm not saying I'm the most distinctive-looking person in the world, but I'm also surely not the most forgettable-looking person in the world, maybe. I don't know. It's really not for me to say. But, yeah, we all look alike. And so I said, yes, it's uh, that guy with the box. He's going, no, I didn't have any left. I thought I was expecting to see her at this train station to ask me again. But that was great. It's an easy trip down to Geelong if your trains are on time and if they actually turn up. You could drive, of course, and... We could cycle. You could cycle. It's a dangerous road, man, that mm, road. Oh, right. I don't know if I'd ride my bike down that road to Geelong, man. I've ridden to Geelong from Fairhaven, and that's quite nice. I don't even know where Fairhaven is. Oh, oh you told me... Long. No, you told me, about this, yeah. you told me about this path. Yeah, yeah, I've got to do that sometime. Yeah. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. Okay. This road race. I think that's all we want to say. That's all we want to say. That's We've enough. got nothing more to say. Nothing to say. Goodbye from the Clappers. Until next time.